Welcome to the podcast channel of the East Bay Unity Intergroup of Overeaters Anonymous. The opinions expressed here are those of individual members and do not represent OA as a whole. For more information about our intergroup, please visit our website at eastbayoa.org. Hi, I'm Suzanne and I am a compulsive overeater and anorexic. Hi, everybody. Lovely to see Hi, you all. Hi, Elaine. <laughs> Love to see you all on this holiday. I see lots of people I know, Lewis and Meg. It's really nice to see all of you. Um, you know, I have to tell you something. I was uh, at my desk today and on January 19th of 2017, I wrote my daughter a story, a letter, and it's my OA story because my daughter was in the hospital dying of anorexia. She was six months in the hospital with a tube in her nose and I didn't know how to support her. I didn't know how to be there for her. And some days she just didn't even want me to come to her room. So I decided to send her my story. So I, I Elaine knows I never read my story when I share, I always just like wing it, but I'm gonna just cause it's pretty concise. And I'll have time to say a few more things after. Um, it, 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 it starts from the beginning. And I, uh, I was kind of surprised when I found it this morning, but I did. So I started out with a sentence. I said, I'm an anorexic and a binge starver. When I was less than 12 years old, I remember my mother making comments about how women looked in clothes, usually negative ones. I remember being seven and needing to get a dress for my first communion. And my mother was getting frustrated because I was not fitting into any of the dresses in the girls department. And I remember her saying, well, I guess we'll have to go to the chubby girls department. I was clear she was not happy about how I looked. But when I looked at pictures, I saw a little girl in the range of normal. Her voice saying those words in such a disappointed and somewhat angry way is still in my head from when I was seven years old. I loved to eat and so did my dad. He was a man in love with sugar and all food. He loved ice cream and so did I. I have a dairy problem and I figured it out in my twenties, but before that I would eat all things dairy, cheese. I loved it, ice cream, loved it, milk, a lot. I always felt stuffed up and bloated after eating it, but nobody figured it out. I was lactose intolerant, yet I craved all those things. Um, I would often eat until I was overfull and feel awful. I would go to bed with a stomach ache a lot. That never stopped me from eating the next time though. That was, uh, there was, this was a time of trips with dad to the ice cream parlors, visiting my grandma on Sunday after mass and eating all afternoon. I grew up this way. Mom and dad were often in conflict about dad's eating. She thought he needed to lose weight and he would go in and out of dealing with it and squabble with her about it. I was aware there was a problem. Dad used to eat late at night and stand in front of the fridge and eat and eat and pass out watching TV. I knew something was not quite right, but I had no name for it. Next thing I remember was being 13 and feeling like I was fat and needed to control that and my food. So I did. This was the beginning of eating less. Stop drinking milk because it was fattening. 
I curtailed a lot of certain food groups. I soon headed into high school. And so it was the time to like boys and scary feelings and adolescence. I needed to look right. By the time I was a sophomore in high school, I was in a real cycle of not eating and mom noticed. She started, I started lying to her a lot about what I ate and how much. She questioned me all the time about what I ate during the day. I lied. I ate only cookies at lunch, the best peanut butter cookies ever, and nothing else all day. I threw my lunch from home away a lot. It was a time of conflict with my mother and a lot of time spent figuring out what I looked like and how to control all of the feelings and perceived imperfections of myself. I spent most of high school in that hell. Mom went. To, uh, mom uh, took me to the doctor. Uh, I got down to 95 pounds. I remember being thrilled when I got the Hong Kong flu because I couldn't eat for quite a long time. I used to get really low blood sugar all the time, almost faint a lot. I was thrilled when I could buy a prom dress and it was the smallest size you could buy. I was in control now, so I thought. When I was ready to graduate from high school, things were changing a bit and I was struggling with my size and what I perceived as getting bigger. I was probably getting normal. I was still tortured with my body image and I definitely had body dysmorphia. I never knew what I really looked like, still have that come up for me at times. At 18, I was introduced to the diet pills, uh, black beauties, uh, they were called, and regular amphetamines. I felt like I had found a miracle drug until it took over my life for eight years, along with drinking a lot of wine and smoking a lot of cigarettes and drinking a lot of coffee. I lived on air and all of the above as little food as possible. It controlled me and I thought I was controlling it. By the time I was 23, or so I, I had full bore, crazy addictive lifestyle of just needing to have the right combo of substances and get through the day of work and school and social life. It was an anxious, oblivious time of no awareness and no comfort. At 25, old, old things flipped, all things flipped. I had a lot of anxiety attacks and kind of fell apart. I quit my job and I was going to stop drinking and drugging. And I had a nervous breakdown or so that's what I called it. And I withdrew for a period of time. I was alone with all of this and it was awful. I moved back into my parents' home from my apartment and my mom was back at my side holding me together her way, which is by sheer willpower and a lot of self-care and kindness. Just do it was always the message. Well, the pressure got greater as it went on. Um, I don't know how things got to change. So with all, without all of my control of drugs and substances, I stopped doing those things. My only coping mechanism was my old friend food. This time though, something happened. It was over on the other side of the coin. I started eating out of control. It was just an ugly ride. I ate till I passed out. I stole food out of stores. I ate all the food in the house. I threw food away and then I took it back. I went from 110 pounds to 205 pounds in several months. I was obese. I still had no idea what my body looked like. 
I was sure I was somebody else and was barely functioning. I still wasn't working. I went into therapy with a psychiatrist who was very gentle and kind to me. And I could not bear to tell him anything I was feeling or especially anything I was eating. And it was like a secret world for me. I had such guilt and shame and hatred for who I was and how I acted. After several months of working with me, he suggested I go to OA. So I did. My first meeting, I felt so embarrassed. I also felt like what I'd heard all my life in those rooms for the first time, other people were in this world like mine, talking about it. I of course could not take it all in it right that night. And I had a bag of food in my car and a giant jug of wine. And I had my last big hurrah. I went back again and again, and I knew I was home. I slowly started to see my life change from the personal hell I had been in to one of serenity at times and balance and community. I wasn't alone anymore with my secret life and I kept going and now I'm in three 12-step programs. My life has not been perfect. I have a compulsive obsessive side of me that it rears its ugly head now and again still. And um, my humanness, uh, wait, sorry. Uh, I'm on a path that is giving me serenity and a sense of my own humanness. And my dreaded imperfection of my earlier days is very much reduced. I have come to tears often when I realize that I have been graced with recovery and a way to live that frees me from the bondage of myself. By the grace of a higher power, I'm finding a life of happiness, joy, and freedom a day at a time. When the really hard moments of my life come, I have a faith that they will pass. And when I am in them, I'm not alone. My community of loved ones and my higher power are always on my side and in my heart. To be alive is enough and to be freed from the hell of the past is such a blessing. I offer the story of my life to you, Juliana. This is my experience, my strength and my hope. You are in my heart always. You are in my story. I am here and I understand. Love, mother. So. Five minutes remaining, Suzanne. Perfect. So that's what I wrote her four years ago. And she was in the hospital. She's not in a hospital anymore, but she is in a facility that is helping her still cope with her life. She's had a rough time of it, but uh, she's, she's much more um, aware of what she's doing. For me, that's my story. This is my story I just read to you. I, like I said, I never read, but I feel like it was, it was every part of what happened to me in the years of my time of doing this. And you can see it started back when I was seven. And um, the other part I wanna share with you is I've been in a retreat for three days and I just finished it this morning. And um, one of the things I do in the beginning of the year uh, is I, I don't have a resolution, but I come up with a word. And every year I have a word that I try to focus my recovery on. And I've used joy. I've used um, compassion, I've used uh, empathy, serenity. And this year it, it turned out to be a phrase <laughs> or three words and it became gentle loving kindness. And this has been a rough year for a lot of us. And um, I have been through a few things that seemed really hard for me. And, you know, 
I used to just say loving kindness because I meditate and it's part of something that comes up a lot for me in meditation. But I added gentle to those words because, you know, I have this harsh edge on me. And when I'm frustrated, angry, afraid, especially afraid or anxious, I get aggressive. And because that's my fear. Um, I have had dogs most of my life and, you know, trainers introduced me to the idea of fear aggression. And I used to say my husband had fear aggression, but I think I have it too. You know, when I'm anxious and afraid, I get like, I want to blame people. I want to throw somebody else under the bus. Um, so I added gentle to that, that those other two words. And um, I also think that being tender and humane and considerate, which is what I think gentle is, is really important. And it's something that I strive for. Um, and I think that being loving, especially in these times, means being connected and committed to other people's well-being as well as my own and trust. Playfulness is important to me, caring, nurturing, um, supportive and passionate. And tenderness is kind of the same as gentleness to me, but I think of it as having compassion and tolerance and, uh, and gentleness again. And in these rooms, especially in OA, I found so much of gentle loving kindness. I would go to meetings as people used to say, you know, you brush the crumbs off and you walk into the rooms. And I used to literally feel like such a failure and I'd sit in meetings and I thought, it's going to shift, something will change. All these people are coming together and something will change. Um, I came into these rooms when I was 25 and that's a long, long time ago. My kids are those ages now and they're struggling with things. Um, and I have such hope for them because I feel that I have been graced with such, um, recovery of what I read to you. I am just, you know, there, I'm still me. I still have that edge. I still have these things, but that lifestyle is not what I do today. That's not what I have in my life today. And it's, it's a miracle to me that those are things of another lifetime. And it feels that way. It's another lifetime. Um, when I read things like I was stealing food and taking food out of the garbage can, I think, really? Oh my gosh. But in the moment when I did it, I mean, it doesn't, if I sat here and thought about it for five minutes with you guys, I would feel all of it again. It was torture. It was hell. It was a terrible way to live. So I'm really grateful to be here today. I'm really grateful that it is 2021. I'm grateful my daughter is not in the hospital today. I'm grateful my son is in sober living. I am grateful that I have these rooms to come to during this crazy COVID time and that I get to see people as often as I want to in my own home. And, um, and it's, it's a miracle and a gift. And um, I feel that somebody said one day early on during the pandemic, she said, this is what we've all been training for. <laughs> and in some ways, I think that's true, you know, that we have learned to do that. And um, it's a day to time. I was reminded of that today in the retreat. It is just right now. That's all it is. That's all we have to deal with is just right now. So for right now, I can be gentle and loving and kind, hopefully to myself and to everyone I come in contact with you. Thank you guys.